Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Who would you call if you needed help burying a body? <laughs> oh, well, I would call my co-stars from mm-hmm. HBO right here. I would call Bob and Eureka because we've been through enough together in filming <laughs> the first season that we're in these very conservative spaces. We've been in the trenches together. So we're no stranger to being in trenches together. And I know that the two of them, because that's 30, they could <laughs> help me carry that body and we would make it. And they would keep me entertained while we were doing I feel so bad, though. I, I don't know what happened to this body, but they would keep me entertained. <laughs> Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Push the Envelope. I'm the AB Club's Editor-in-Chief, Patrick Gomez, and this week we'll be joined by drag race fan favorite and host of the Hallelujah Happy Hour, Shangela, who will answer the AV Club's 11 questions. But first, despite the Golden Globes and Oscars being pushed back months in 2021, we do have an award show, or at least something that pretends to be an award show, um, coming up this weekend. The People's Choice Awards. And to break down some of the categories, we have our very own Mar Egan and Cameron Cheats joining us. Hey, guys. Hey. Hi. Hey. So... I reached out to you all to see if you wanted to chat about the People's Choice Awards, and it's a subject matter that at least you all are maybe the most experts on at the AV Club, (laughs) because you've actually been to the red carpet for there. Uh, So, uh, you know, it was fitting. We have. I had totally forgotten we went until Cameron reminded me. (laughs) It was that memorable, underwhelmed. It was a lot. It was like three hours long. It was like two hours and 45 minutes of influencers. Mm -hmm. A lot of that. Like 15 minutes of like being like, where'd Jennifer Lopez go? Like, I didn't even see her here, or like stuff like that. It is one of those weird shows that like has the biggest names in Hollywood, and then it's just like sixty million D-listers. And they only show up if they're gonna win. You know what I mean? <laughs> or they're like pushing something else. Oh, a hundred percent. Cam, uh, what was your experience like, as you recall it? I specifically remember jennifer aniston walking by and for a split second there was this like this sudden like freeze in the room (laughs) or not in the room we were where were we like outside under a giant tent for the red carpet other than that yeah it was a lot of (laughs) it it was an interesting place to be certainly and it it does kind of come i don't know uh, the beginning of the year is really when we start getting the award season proper so this just feels so odd We're, we're, we're especially this year now that i'm i'm getting ahead of myself but to celebrate the year previous that's not quite over yet <laughs> yeah i will say that like if you're a fan of pop culture in large versus just like oscar movies then it is kind of fun to go or to watch because you're like candy burris from the real house of Santa. <laughs> like, that's exciting to me more than maybe like some supporting actor nominee like or you know ct from the challenges here guys you know like there's that kind of stuff that's enjoyable, I guess. 
Yeah, that's kind of the fun part of it to <laughs> just the I don't randomness isn't the right word because I don't mean I don't want it to sound dismissive, but like to I last year we talked to the cake boss <laughs> and then we talked to Ross Matthews and then we talked to Brooklyn Andy Heights. Burris. Yes. yes. Right. Like, <laughs> we talked to I got I'd have to go look. It's a little bit of everything. Harry Cruz, you mentioned. Yeah. So it's not the most highbrow of events, but it's still fun. Um, well, before we dig into this year's nominees, I wanted to run down a little bit of the history of the People's Choice Awards. And that started in 1975. So it's been going on for a really long time. And originally, the winners were actually chosen by, well, not chosen by, but Gallup polls would put out polls. And that's how they kind of uh decided who the winners were. And this led to a lot of ties, I guess, because of the fact that polling has uh, margins of error. So you got a lot of multiple winners for each category, which totally is in theme with the People's Choice Awards, who let their winners know ahead of time they're going to hmm. win. So they just want to get those stars in the seats. And it worked. Uh, in 1977, it peaked with 35 million people tuning in to watch Star Wars win Favorite Picture. And Barbara Streisand and John Wayne win actor and actress, which they actually won at the inaugural ceremony as well. So the 70s were very big for Streisand and Wayne at the People's Choice Awards. Uh, over the years, the person with the most People's Choice Award wins. Uh, actually, I want to get your guesses. Uh, oh Mara, Mara, who would you guess has the most People's Choice Awards wins? Um, I'm going to guess Will Smith. All right. And Cam, how about oh, you? God, that's such a good guess. I'm going to guess... I'm going to guess... Jennifer Lopez, just because we know she was there last year, too. <laughs> uh, well, we will get to why Jennifer Lopez is is a beloved by the People's Choice Awards in just a second. But the answer is Ellen DeGeneres, um, who has oh. the most wins under her belt with 20. Uh, and I was going to say originally when I was looking this over, like, well, I guess 20 is where she's going to end. But she's actually nominated this year as well. So we will see. Um, she's the Meryl Streep of the People's Choice Awards, you would say. I, yeah. I mean, I mean, it makes sense, guys. <laughs> Think about it. I mean, people people do love that show. I just I would have assumed that this year's headlines that she made would have uh, precluded an, another nomination. But uh, you know what? She's there. And we'll, so we'll see. We'll see if she uh, if she uh, I was going to say shows up, but we're going to have a virtual award ceremony. So I guess I guess this year they might get a lot of people that wouldn't have come otherwise. So we'll see. So as I mentioned, Gallup polls was originally how they determined the winner. But in 2005, they heard of this thing called the internet and decided that that's how they should start picking the winners. And so that was a big transition. And then the next big transition was the move from CBS, who had been airing the show since the early 80s. Uh, it moved from CBS to E and officially became E's People's Choice Awards, uh, which is just a mouthful in 2017. <laughs> And now the nomination process, it's changed over the years. It's gone from other polling places to having panels of experts from entertainment journalism sources, as well as super fans, to uh, solely online submissions to like everyone just writing in things. It changes frequently. But the first ceremony had 14 categories, and this year's ceremony will have 44 categories, along with special awards for the uh, aforementioned Jennifer Lopez, Tyler Perry, and Tracy Ellis Ross. Um, there's this podcast I listen to, as you might guess, I'm a Real Housewives fan. There's this podcast I listen to called Bitch Sesh, and they were nominated last year for one of those 44 categories. They were up for like best pop podcast or whatever. And when they got the nomination, they were like, oh my God, amazing. Blah, blah, blah. We're going to the People's Choice Awards. It turns out that they actually were getting invited to the People's Choice Awards. 
they only got invited if they won. <laughs> so, so that's how many people are nominated for People's Choice Awards. <laughs> they don't have enough room in the building. For <laughs> wow. I mean, you know, I, I guess power to them. Like I said, I mean, it really is a, a ratings opportunity just to get eyeballs. So, I mean, I guess it makes sense that you just want to pack it with the people that are winning. Uh, and then, I guess, sell tickets? make money there i guess yeah yeah and i i mean that's just reminding me that i'm (laughs) i mean this is a very specific class of award show Uh, it feels like the stakes are pretty low and i think a lot of people nominated would admit that as well if they don't already know they're gonna win they're probably they're probably not hedging a whole lot on whether they win or lose but (laughs) a show like this feels so dependent on the red carpet and who actually is there to show up and accept awards that I mean, it's not that these people can't all be on TV through the magic of Zoom and 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 whatnot this year, but it seems so perfunctory, especially this year. Not to be a cynic, because I do love award shows no matter what, but it's just so odd to me that this of all award shows is still happening on schedule. <laughs> yeah, th- like this is one that could have passed for sure, but... <laughs> I but think you know the, what? the categories really bear that out, too. <laughs> yes. Well, mm-hmm. let's dive into those categories. We are going to, of course, not go over all 44. We've selected a few highlights uh, here to get your thoughts on, Cam and Mara. So let's kick things off with the best movie, or as they say, the movie of 2020. There we have Bad Boys for Life, Birds of Prey, and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, Extraction, Hamilton, Project Power, The Invisible Man, The Old Guard, and Trolls World Tour. I mean, the, you really get, you just this runs the gamut. I like how they don't say the best movie. They're like, no, no, no. Like, just when you think of 2020, this is the movie you're going to think of. Which, I mean, I guess is a special thing this year. I mean, that that's, I mean, all award shows that are going to honor things from 2020 are going to have this weird asterisk of like, there was not everything that you expected to be this year, uh came out so uh <laughs> well they also you know. like i mean this is not the stuff that's going to make most critics year-end list so it's like they're like no we need star power in the door so we're not going to say the best movie is well but what's weird is that what's weird is that you know they have that opportunity because it's not just best movie they have best comedy movie best action movie best drama movie like they have categories so where they could make these, like, the big marquee ones, like the the movie of 2020, could be a little bit more prestigious. But again, you know, this is the people's choice. And I know that they're going off of, like I said, polls and, like, what people actually saw. So I don't want to discount that, uh, that a lot of people saw, you know, Extraction or Trolls World <laughs> Tour. Um, but as you said, Mara, they're not going to... Yeah. Uh, yes. I was like, I, Project Power, I was like, what is that? Yes. Yeah, that was when I had to refresh my memory on. Although I loved Invisible Man, it was the last movie I saw in theaters before the world went crazy. And I loved Birds of Prey. Like, you know, that with or without 2020 being what it ended up being, um, I was hoping that Birds of Prey would get some awards attention because I think it's a lot better than the box office was showing it to be in terms of like the audience reaction. And so, you know, anything that's going to raise awareness of that film, I'm happy for, I, you know, we had an internal discussion about whether or not Hamilton should even be considered a movie um, Hmm. in terms of our coverage at the AV club. So it's, you know, it's interesting to see Hamilton represented here, but again, it was supposed to end up in theaters. So maybe in that way, we would have looked at it a little bit more cinematically than something that ended up on Disney plus cam. What are your thoughts here? 
Well, I, I know this is a weird year, but I I do have to wonder, you mentioned who, who decides these categories, a panel of experts. I do have to wonder how weighted that panel of experts is with people that have a stake in Netflix because um, the old guard, no qualms with. That absolutely deserves a spot. Great movie, great action flick, whether it would have been on the big screen or not. I'm so glad we had that this year, but Extraction and Project Power seem a little sus to me. I feel like they had no footprint whatsoever. Um, so I'm just Although wondering Extraction if... like broke records when it, it came did. out. So it I mean, did. people were watching. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't personally know any of them. Yeah, I don't personally know any well, of them. But there were <laughs> there were people. And these these records that it broke are also records set forth by Netflix. And it's like, what do those even mean? <laughs> we don't really know. Still, <laughs> I'm also interested in like the voting period on this. Like, was it like August? end in august you know like why is like qb halloween not on here you know like what's the window here i do know voting is like very close and like we mentioned they have to know the winners with enough lead time to invite them so i i would imagine that the window actually closed a a while ago um just to give that lead time so that's probably why we're not seeing something like that cam i know that there's there's one film here that you wish was represented why don't you tell us a little bit about Uh that well Specifically, when I when I looked at the next category, as as listed on the site, it's comedy movie of 2020. I thought it should be here, but I also think it absolutely warrants inclusion in best of the best. Well, no, actually not best movie, just movie of 2020. I'm sorry, that's the category. <laughs> um, and that's Palm Springs. I find it absolutely puzzling that a, a, an incredibly charming movie that was pretty widely available on streaming with two stars. I mean, especially Andy Samberg is, is a household name. It's so odd to me that that is not on, on the comedy list. I thought that that was one of the more inventive and genuinely funny comedies I've seen in a while. And obviously there's a whole other discussion to be had about the state of like mainstream comedy movies right now, but uh, I, I think it warrants a spot. No, no offense. There's to... a movie from that comedy list that I thought would make it on here and that's Eurovision, which oh, you know, okay. is a Will Ferrell... Rachel McAdams joint that was on Netflix that mm-hmm. a lot of people worldwide saw. I don't know. I was surprised it didn't make it here, but what? I'm not a voter. And I think <laughs> Birds of Prey. So who am I to who am I to say? I guess I would vote for Hamilton if you want my answer. But truly it would be like picking, you know, which non-choice am I choosing? <laughs> You know, I enjoyed Invisible Man, but yeah, I, I might if I had to vote between all these, I might give it to Birds of Prey. Cam, what what are what are your thoughts? Um, I think Invisible Man is probably my vote. It it was pretty surprising, and and um, I had a lot of fun with that. And I I think obviously too, in terms of it being a 2020 movie, it's as we mentioned, one of the last movies a lot of us got to see in theaters, and also its themes of gaslighting and whatnot. It, it ties into the larger cultural conversation, whereas like. Hamilton, a great show, but I think a lot has been said about how that's a very specifically Obama-era show. So to be like, that's the movie of 2020 is is an interesting take. <laughs> well, we will see who wins on Sunday. Um, you know, one of the things we were discussing before we got online to record this is is how because there are so many categories, like they really do try to get as many stars as possible. And we see that in the movie star of 2020 categories, both male and female. I mean, you see 
Camila Mendez nominated for <laughs> Dangerous Lies and elsewhere in the nominations. You have other Riverdale. I mean, I think they pretty much hit every Riverdale star they could somewhere in here between TV and, and movies, uh, which clearly they're just trying to tap into that. And you have Vanessa Hudgens for Bad Boys for Life, which I have to tell you, I forgot she was even in. Emma <laughs> Hayek and Tiffany Haddish for Like a Boss, which is like a movie that did not even do very well. And it it is like a weird situation. Yeah, it's a weird situation because it'd be one thing if it was all like, okay, these are just super popular things. Like this is based on biggest in the box office or like the highest Q scores. But it it gets a little weird when you put someone like Elizabeth Moss for The Invisible Man up against Vanessa Hudgens for Bad Boys for Life. Because it's like, then it turns into this whole other thing where it's like, okay, well, are we trying to judge this based on, like, artistic merit? Or are we trying to or are we trying to do popularity? I'd almost rather, like, Elizabeth Moss not be here, because then it could just be, like, super fun, silly, like, oh, am I going to vote for Camila Mendez or Vanessa Hudgens? Nothing against either of them. It's just they are not doing what Elizabeth Moss was doing in The Invisible Man, and it makes me feel weird. Like, Margot Robbie for Birds of Prey, that, like, borders a line that I'm okay with. But it, it, like, weirds me out a little bit to have Elizabeth <laughs> in this mix because it just, like, makes me feel like, well, if we don't give it to her, are we, like, I don't know. It just, like, what are we saying if that's if that's the case? You know, it's the same thing if you look at the male movie stars and we have, you know, Tom Hanks for Greyhound next to Chris Hemsworth for Extraction or Robert Downey Jr. for Doolittle, which, like, no one even wanted to see. Oof. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's like, weird. And Mark Wahlberg for Spencer Confidential, which I think is, like, a kid's movie? It's, it's, it's all mind boggling to me. I don't understand it. Um, but it's not just movies. We have this in TV as well. So the nominees for the show of 2020 are Grey's Anatomy, Never Have I Ever, Outer Banks, The Bachelor, The Last Dance, The Masked Singer, This Is Us, and Tiger King. <laughs> Which, like... I mean, the answer there is Tiger King, because it's not the, it's, was it my favorite show of the year? No. But if you're talking about the show of 2020... I think that's what everyone was watching. I don't know. That's how I feel. But I didn't watch Outer Banks. So, so there's I don't, I don't like, clearly some people did, but I think they all were under the age of 17, um, which is, again, fine. Again, we're not, I, I don't want anyone to feel like that we're just like shitting on the People's Choice Awards because we think that we're like better than it. We're going to get to a category in a second that um, we're all going to show our cards that we are totally down for the People's Choice Award nominees. But, uh, it just, it, it it really does, I like, these nomination committees, I would love to just be a fly on the wall for, like, how these decisions are made, because it, it does, it seems like this weird mix of things like This Is Us that actually get accolades at, like, more prestigious award shows mixed with, you know, The Bachelor, which, again, like, not shitting on The Bachelor, it's just not going to be nominated next to This Is Us at pretty much any other show. There's also, uh, like, these aren't even the most popular shows on TV, right? Do you know what I mean? This is just like, who has the biggest following? Like Young Sheldon or The Good Doctor. Or I don't know what's really popular. <laughs> like those shows aren't making an appearance on here necessarily. Yeah. I mean, and it's what's, it, it's interesting because you would think that something like that would show up or, you know, any of like the, the CBS procedurals that have like rabid fan bases that I would feel like would fall into this category of, of viewers that they're trying to get. 
but clearly it's they're trying to skew a little younger so it's 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 all those factors in there but let's get to the tv category that i know we all have thoughts on which is the competition contestant of 2020 um here we have Gigi good from rupaul's drag race hannah ann Sless from the bachelor Jada Essence Hall from RuPaul's Drag Race, Just Sam from American Idol, Madison Pruitt from The Bachelor, Candy Burris from The Masked Singer, Rob Gronkowski from The Masked Singer, and Sammy Cimarelli from The Circle. Uh, Mara, let's start off with you. What are, what are your thoughts here? Well, I have only seen RuPaul's Drag Race from here. So I don't have, I've never seen American Idol or The Bachelor. Like, I'm like never, ever, ever? Never, never, ever. No. And I've wow. never, and I never watched the circle. So my answer is Jada Essence Hall, but I like Candy Burris. And I think Gronk is kind of funny, although he <laughs> probably voted for someone I didn't vote for. So that's my answer. <laughs> well, my thing with, with one, the mass Singer in general, but two, particularly Gronkowski is you know, that show is, is it's about personality because obviously like you're singing and moving and dancing around on the stage, but at the same time, like you're behind, you're inside this giant, like plushy, like costume. Uh, and so it's, She's it's a professional singer. So it's like, yeah, she won. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Versus, like Bob Daggett or Drew Carey or whatever. Like, yeah. I mean, and the other, but I guess for me too, it's like, it's like Gronkowski, went he lasted a couple weeks but it's not like he like was about to grab the crown or anything like that like with Gigi and jada you have two people that were finalists you know all these people went really far he just seems like an odd man out aside from being a very recognizable name and face and also i'm sure you know gets in a a viewership that maybe didn't watch rupaul's drag race or or even the bachelor and I love Sammy, but like how you could not nominate, if you're going to nominate someone from the circle and it not be shoe bomb, I don't understand it. So, you know, the, this category I have strong feelings about, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think, I think I'd go with one of the drag race, drag race contestants here. Cam, what about you? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's gotta be Jada Essence Hall. I think like you, you literally watch her become a star on drag race and yes, she actually won, but I think just her evolution on the show, kind of the way she like came out of her shell. Not that she was ever in a shell at the beginning anyway, but I I just think that that evolution was great. But that just gets to my general confusion with a lot of these categories. It's like how, as you mentioned, how can we put Jade Essence Hall's run on Drag Race up against Rob Gronkowski's run on The Masked Cigarette? It it hurts my brain. (laughs) Drag Race All-Stars. Like, if you're going to pick a Drag Race person, it'd be Shay, unless these were all people from the spring. Anyways. But... I did want to say, I mean, both with this category, Patrick, as you touched on, I think especially with the TV of TV show of 2020, it's like, I think that they do do a good job of putting, um, you know, we, we get representation from different styles of TV, different types of movies. So maybe any of us come to these categories and look at them and we're like, well, I haven't seen all those. Like, I wouldn't even know how to pick a winner, but like, we're all going to come to it with something that we have seen that we are going to root for, which I think is kind of the essence of what the show wants is to bring the stands out to vote for their favorites. Right. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. They want, they want you going to eonline.com and <laughs> voting 10,000 times for um, let's say BTS uh, moving into the music categories. I think, you know, we could spend time discussing the group of 2020, but I think it's a fool's errand to, to even contemplate a world in which BTS does not win. Um, but just, just in case you're curious, they are up against five seconds of summer, Blackpink, Chloe and Holly, CNCO, uh, Dan and Shay, Jonas Brothers, and 21 Pilots. So the, they're 
they've got strong competition, but there's just, there's no way that BTS doesn't win. So let's move on to the male artist and female artist. We can kind of discuss them both together. For male artists, we have Bad Bunny, Blake Shelton, DaBaby, Drake, J Balvin, Justin Bieber, Lil Baby, and The Weeknd. Lots there that I could get very confused on very quickly. <laughs> uh, and in female artists, it's Ariana Grande, Billie Eilish, Cardi B, Dua Lipa, Lady Gaga, Megan Thee Stallion, Miley Cyrus, and Taylor Swift. Um, these are like some pretty strong categories. And I think, I think music is probably one of the places where the People's Choice Awards has the opportunity to be the most exciting because, you know, at the Grammys, you'll end up with a few really popular artists up against some, you know, more critically acclaimed, smaller, less, less well-known artists. And, and here you kind of just get the greatest hits. It's like, (laughs) now that's what I call music, but in awards form. Uh, and I think that's kind of fun. I was going to say, and maybe this is informed by my own perspective and the what I'll call the gay Twitter bubble that I'm in, but like, man, the female artists like wipe the floor with the male artists, especially this year, probably every year back through history. But like, I mean, that category just feels so stacked to me and the male artists. I'm like, are we really pretending anyone cares about Blake Shelton? Man, I'm trying to not be cynical, but I just don't care for him. So, <laughs> but I could argue for any of the women nominated in their category to win. You know, like I think that they've all just delivered. Maybe Billie Eilish should have won last year over this year because that was kind of when the album came out. But, like, I could argue for any of them. (laughs) Well, and let's, you know, obviously, I think she would have had an even bigger year if if the Bond movie had actually come out. So, who knows? I'm excited for the the remix that I'm sure we will get to republicize that song once we actually finally get to see that movie in six years. (laughs) Um, But uh, I agree. uh, You know, you look at the male artists, and while all of them are, are strong in their own right, like, they just... I, I think none of them would have a chance if it was a combined category that we would end up with all the female uh, contestants, except maybe Bieber because it's Bieber and, and the <laughs> weekend. But, um, but, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited to see the, the diversity here too. Like speaking to what you were saying, Cameron, about how they kind of try to hit a little bit of everything. Um, I think that is really exemplified in, in music, especially when you take into account the groups, because I think you get a lot of pop, obviously, in the male and female artists, but you get a little bit of a wider range of stuff once you once you take in you know, like 21 pilots and, and such in group and everything, which is which is cool. So let's end it with the category I know you two are very, very excited about, uh, the social celebrity of 2020, which I, I'm being a little facetious. We just wanted to give you a, a taste of some of the categories that we're not discussing, which involve best animals of 2020, best beauty bloggers, best, I don't know, barista. And the, the, the categories go on and on and on. As we said, there's 44. Um, but the best social celebrity of 2020, those nominees are Ariana Grande, Britney Spears, Justin Bieber, Kim Kardashian West, Kylie Jenner, Lady Gaga, LeBron James, and Selena Gomez. Uh, just to kick us off with here, I feel like maybe... I just, maybe it's because I don't follow him, but I, I feel like Justin Bieber is out of place here. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like he doesn't, like, I guess I mainly just see him active, like, when he happens to be interacting with another celebrity more than I see him producing a ton of his own content. But I could 100% be wrong. I just choose not to follow him. So I maybe just don't see it. But that was my initial takeaway. Mara, what were your thoughts here on these names? <laughs> um. Well, I'm going to go not, Kim Kardashian West, because I feel like pretty tone deaf right now. Personally, my personal social celebrity from this list is LeBron James, because I feel like he 
it's been interesting to follow him with like the NBA bubble that people have been in, like his political thoughts. For me, like he's the guy that I'm most interested in following and not just because he's from the Northeast Ohio area where I'm from. But I agree. He was giving you something really unique and different. Uh, And I also appreciate how politically active some of these people are. Like I know Ariana Grande was using her social media to really push voting and get out the vote and vote save America and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I am glad that these people were pushing forward. But I wish I kind of do wish that that the People's Choice Awards had taken this opportunity to kind of highlight people that were doing more of that kind of stuff than maybe just posting personal updates. But Cam, yeah. Cam what are your thoughts? I know I know you have some, a strong feeling here. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, in, in a year that we've really been reckoning with our our celebrity worship, our idol worship, and, and what that means and what we want from them and, and the, the elitism that comes with being a celebrity, it's like this category across the board feels pretty unimaginative. I think, as you were speaking to, like LeBron and Ariana are, I think, pretty good examples but like to put kim and kylie in there feels a little tone deaf and then speaking of tone deaf i i I have weird feelings about britney spears being nominated yes we love her and yes she has supplied us with endless memes and videos that we've watched and enjoyed but like i still can't really wrap my mind around whether we're like trying to support her and caring about her or for laughing at her. Um, it just makes me feel weird that, she, that she's in this in general at this, at this moment, at this juncture, we'll say. I mean, this is a weird one in some sense, because it's like, you're trying to be all things to all people. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm voting for LeBron in part because I agree with him <laughs> versus Brittany is like, yes, appealing to a number of people because she's posting fun photos. You know what I mean? Like, it's a it's a weird category, and I mean I think that it's sort of like emblematic of the People's Choice Awards in a, as a whole because we're like who watched Extraction, like who really loved that <laughs> was talking about it. It wasn't me and you because we follow the same people on Twitter, but it might have been like my stepfather in law. You know, you know what I mean. So it's like who are they trying to get in the door? I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's the beauty of the People's Choice Awards is the people get to choose, uh, I guess. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, as, maybe, maybe. We'll see. Um, so as we mentioned, there are 44 categories total. We definitely did not cover even half of them here. So you can check out that full list on eonline.com. As we mentioned, voting is now closed out. Um, but you can see the winners announced on Sunday night on E! during the ceremony, which will be hosted by Demi Lovato, who I love, and feature a performance by Justin Bieber who maybe I less love, but, you know, uh, it is what it is. Um, Okay, but moving on to someone the AV Club thinks deserves all the awards, let's talk about Shangela. Cameron, you got the chance to chat with Shangela just the other day about her new Spotify show, Hallelujah Happy Hour, before putting the drag superstar through our gauntlet (laughs) of 11 questions. What uh, What was that conversation like? Oh, it's a delight. I mean, Shangela, as as anyone that has watched Drag Race over the years knows, like, Shangela is, again, someone that has really become a star. I uh, use that platform to just become a star. And she, sh- you know, she's she's been in everything. I mean, she was in Lovecraft Country earlier this year. Obviously, A Star is Born, a lot of other shows uh, she's shown up in. Um, so she's she's been around. So she has she has some stories. And I mean, she's truly just a delight. As you mentioned, we talked about her new Spotify show, Hallelujah Happy Hour, but she also has a line of hand sanitizer she's putting out this month called Shanitizer. So <laughs> she was she was more than happy to tell me all about that. But I mean, I feel like what didn't we touch on? We, we touched on her show from HBO, We're Here. We talked about one of my personal favorite award show moments, which is when 
she did a musical montage at the Independent Spirit Awards in 2019 and sang about if Beale Street could talk in eighth grade. And so that was very, very fun to talk about that with her. Absolutely. Fun. Well, for those of you that are new to Push the Envelope, 11 Questions is a popular franchise on avclub.com. We start each year asking readers to submit questions, and then the staff chooses 11 of them to ask every celebrity we speak to for the feature over the next 12 months. So we warn you, these questions are very, very, very random, uh, but we hope you have as much fun with them as Cam and Shangela did. So let's take a listen to that chat. We're going to dive into 11 Questions now. Um, Question number one is, if you made a candle, what would it smell like? If I'm, oh, this is good, because I've been in the scents business recently. You know, I've just developed a brand new uh, hand sanitizer called Sanitizer, right? And in using regular hand sanitizers, wanting to be safe out there, I just found they were really they didn't smell good. And you know, I'm, I'm a drag queen. We walk in the room. You got to smell like the doll. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I would tell you if I made a candle, I would probably make it in one of the scents that I just made the new sanitizer in because I've been sitting here smelling scents for the last couple months developing this one that I use is like a strawberry scent called sugar daddy. Okay. <laughs> Cause you know, Shannon don't have a sugar daddy. She never had a sugar daddy. <laughs> sugar daddy she can go out and get one, but now she can spray it on. Hallelujah. <laughs> one. Um, I also love the, a, a fresh scent. Cause I have a scent called Professional. Okay, mm-hmm. so that is a very like linen-y scent. And then another one, if you are feeling very citrus, then I have one called Holly Lemon, and <laughs> and that is obviously a lemony scent, but with a little Hallelujah infused in it. Okay, so those three are really um, what I would. I guess about now next, I just have to make a candle mm-hmm. to go along with my sanitizer. Yeah, I think it's a natural next step, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Hmm. Do you know? I mean, obviously, those three are probably all equally great as sanitizers, but which is the best suited for a candle? I think the best one suited for a candle is the Sugar Daddy scent. Mm-hmm. It has a very strawberry feel to it because I think if you put on a candle, to me, I want to definitely smell it. Some people like lighter scents. Yeah. I want to walk in a room and just be blanketed in the scent. I want to feel. <laughs> It all over my, I want to, when I leave your house, I want people to think that I put on that particular candle and rubbed it all over myself. Yes. So I would say it would be the sugar daddy's. <laughs> I agree. I think that's a good, oh, that's a good take for sure. Um, question number two is what's your favorite album from high school? Oh my gosh. My favorite album from high school would be Destiny's Child, mm. The Writings on the Wall. Oh my God. Yeah. No, 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 no. My favorite album from high school would be Beyonce's first solo album, Beyonce. Yeah. What they call Dangerously in Love. It was it's the one with her on the cover, and she's like this with Oh, I'll never forget that cover. Yeah, Yeah, right. (laughs) Never forget a good cover, honey. So that I think that's what I think it's called Dangerously in Love. Beyonce's first solo album was Mm -hmm. my favorite because I could click through every single one of those tracks and get my whole life. I mean, it feels so fresh still, and obviously she's like really evolved as a musician too but all those songs hold up incredibly well oh for sure they do for sure they do come on crazy in love (laughs) girl signs uh me myself and i like just boom up baby boy Mm -hmm. oh my god baby boy (laughs) and i know beyonce plays into some of your hallelujah happy hours too so there's a tease for that (laughs) it's beyonce (laughs) stay out of my thing you know i live for beyonce they lucky that it's not called Shangela's Hallelujah Happy Hour Beyonce songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could easily be all Beyonce. 
Um, question number three is what conspiracy theory do you think is most possible? Well, people have a big conspiracy theory about the existence of aliens mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the whole area. Oh, 51. Yeah. Well, there you go. 51. <laughs> Studio 54. Studio 54. <laughs> you know, when the aliens are dressed in the seventies clothes and they're going to get the party and disco music, you know, aliens. <laughs> yeah. Area 54. Um, so yes, at area 51, I think that could actually be real. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't feel like we are the only existence of life in the entire universe can't be yeah so. of course and i think you maybe even cracked open a new conspiracy theory and that's that the aliens are behind studio 54 i, I mean, mean i wasn't there but i've seen photos and- <laughs> <laughs> yeah some otherworldly stuff going on there that's for yeah, sure Baker, who's a big party promoter in uh, like la and white party and all that he used to work the door at studio 54. oh my god so he has so many stories. So whenever I see him, I'm like, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, tell me another story. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, number four. Man, this one, especially this week of all weeks. What's the first time you were disillusioned by politics? <laughs> Ooh, mm-hmm. I would say the first time that I was disillusioned by politics, it didn't last very long. It was right. It was in 2016 when Hillary Clinton did not win the presidency. Mm. I really wanted to see America have its very first female president. I think we're overdue for, Mm -hmm. you know, that style of thinking that a woman can't do the same job as a man as well should be gone. Right. And I voted for her and I campaigned. I really wanted her to win. She didn't win. And that was disheartening and almost disillusioning to me. However, it quickly turned into a reignited passion for politics. See, I, I hadn't been super involved before. Mm-hmm. I voted, but I just hadn't been like super involved. This ignited something in me that said, you know what? No, I've got to be a part of, you know, not just November 3rd on election year. It's something that you have to consistently, you know, build into your conversations, build into your existence, build into what you are supporting you know, to encourage people to vote. And that's what I did over the last four years mm-hmm. is written really ramped it up this year was to encourage people to know that your voice matters, your vote matters, and you've got to be involved. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that spinning the positive out of the disillusionment, right? It's like, we can't just, you just be in the room like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I do plenty of that. I don't need to do that all the time. <laughs> I'll give you a hug, Cameron. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Um, number five, who would you call if you needed help burying a body? Oh, you know what? I would, I would probably, okay. Who would I call if I needed help? Well, I would call my co-stars from mm-hmm. HBO here. I would call Bob and Eureka because we've been through enough together in filming <laughs> the first season that we're in these very conservative spaces, um, that don't always agree with what we're bringing, you know, to the town. <laughs> We've been in the trenches together. So we're no stranger to being in trenches together. And I know that the two of them, because that's sturdy, they <laughs> could help me carry that body and we would make it. And they would keep me entertained while we were done. I feel so bad, though. I, I don't know what happened to this body, but I would feel so bad about the burial. But they would keep me entertained. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. I mean, there's a whole other, there's a spinoff series right there. It's just, there's, oh, we're here and fun. then there's, yeah. <laughs> We're there. That's what we're there. <laughs> we're there now. Right. Right. <laughs> um, number six. What's your favorite Halloween costume you've worn? I know we just recently had Halloween. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was a I didn't get to really go Ooh. anywhere. 
but I had had it made earlier. So I was like thinking we were going to be out of the pandemic by Halloween. Oh, <laughs> Uh, so I kept telling everybody I was a brand new biz, but that's not my favorite. Uh, that's not my favorite costume. Um, that one had a mask. That's why I liked it. But um, my favorite Halloween costume would have to be the year that I went. Gosh, you know, I'm not drag queens. Don't really, you know, some of us don't really do Halloween because we dress up every day. Right. I wondered. Yeah. But I will tell you. Oh, OK. Let's go back. <laughs> my sixth grade year. I dressed as Shanae Jenkins from Martin <laughs> and my mother had gotten black. We, this was before the braids wigs. So my mother had gotten black yarn to do my hair. Oh my and God. I went in sixth grade boy drag, which basically was like lipstick, yarn and booty pads. <laughs> but that was my look. I was Shanae Jenkins from Martin. Oh, that's good. Are there photos of that? Uh, let's all hope not. <laughs> People furiously Googling now. Oh, trying no, to... Deborah, not on Google. You would have to call my mother Deborah for that. Don't you okay. call my mama Karen? And I, I won't. <laughs> okay. Um, number seven. And this is an interesting one for, for drag queens, I think. But it's if proximity to your industry were a moot point, where would you most like, like to live and why? If you could be anywhere. I would live in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Wow. I love, I just have so much fun in Mexico. Uh, Puerto Vallarta is right on the beach. I love being close to water. I love being able to watch a sunset over the ocean or the bay. Go one hour this way, you're in a jungle. Go one hour this way, you're on the beach. You know, you're in a city. There's so much culture. I love Mexican food. I love margaritas, Hollywood. <laughs> um, so it's just, that's where I would live. I would live there. Is there, I mean, have you performed there? Is there a drag scene there at all? I have. Uh, it's actually one of the most gay-friendly cities in all of Mexico and they have a whole gay district called the romantic zone Zona Romantica. and I'm practicing my special so practicando mi español también porque you never know I might live in Spain never oh, know Spain. I might live in <laughs> one day so um yeah I really like it. yes there is you haven't been no that sounds great I would love Cameron. to go yes Cameron <laughs> it's a non-stop flight from LA it's only like less than three hours yeah and all of a sudden you're in like a whole nother world that is beautiful and amazing. And, you know, once the nightlife is back open, mm -hmm. it's a fun thing. And yeah, you have to go. We have to yeah. go. Oh, yeah, we'll go. We'll go. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's on my list. As soon as we can travel again safely, like I'm there. It sounds great. Okay. I'll remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Number eight. How did you learn about the birds and the bees? Oh my God. <laughs> um, well, you know, I grew up with a single month. Well, I grew up with between my grandparents and then my single mom, mm -hmm. right? I was the first born boy. And so I don't think they'd ever had that conversation with any other boys. My grandparents only had girls. So um, my mom gave me the combo, but it was very loose. I think I got most of my birds and bees conversation from school. Like, you know, but it was the very like, don't do this or you'll get a wart here. Oh, yeah. Right. The sex ed class sort of like they show go. you the pictures. I, of the yes. That was my first introduction to the birds and bees story. I think uh, between that and uh, our subscription to HBO. <laughs> <that's>, I <got laughs> <it>. Wait, <laughs> was there specific stuff on HBO then that you were like, what's it used to be? Oh my God. Now I'm really telling. Well, actually, <laughs> HBO, Cinemax, there was a show called Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Oh yeah. Emmanuel, honey, if you stayed up past a certain hour, Emmanuel. <laughs> so I was very into period sex. 
Mm-hmm. That is, yeah. No, that's <laughs> that phrase. No, I mean, if that's your thing, go for it. But I'm just, <laughs> that's not what we meant. <laughs> okay, let's let's shift gears. <laughs> Number ten. What pop culture or art do you turn to when you've had a bad day? Is there something you always rely on to put you in a good mood? Music, music, yeah. a good mood. You know, that's why I'm really happy to have this particular Spotify show because there. There's something about song that can just really impact how you feel. Mm-hmm. You know, I can tell you if I'm feeling in a great mood and I want or a bad mood, I want to feel better. I'll put on deeper, a deeper love by Aretha Franklin <laughs> and, or I'll put on Tina Turner music. I love Tina Turner music or Broadway music. I love Broadway. Like I will sit in there and listen to even sad songs and probably make me feel happy because I think I'm a singer in my head. <laughs> so I'll do like Les Mis, I Dream the Dream, or I'll do like stuff from Kinky Boots or like from Gypsy. I love all that music. I can put on a Jennifer Hudson or a Demi Lovato song if I'm in a moody mood Ooh, yeah. and it'll take you through, you know? If I wanted to be sad, I'll put on a Sade music and I'll just walk around sad. My woe is me, you know? <laughs> but music is my art that I turn to. Uh really to to move me that's great as an aside i feel like i have to tell you i love to watch your your musical moment from the indie spirit awards in 2019 when you're singing about all the nominees (laughs) i think that is the funniest most brilliant thing in the world we put that together (laughs) in one night i wondered aubrey plaza had the idea she's the one that made it happen for me she was like i want shangela i want shangela what do we need to do to get shangela and I was like, girl, it's in like two days. And I didn't even know when we went to the walkthrough, I had never been to the Spirit Awards mm-hmm. coming in entertainment, but you know, I, Emmys, Austin's, you know, big mom, mom. Right. So not the Spirit's not big dreams, but you know, I went over there and I was like, oh, this is a legit, like, I was looking at the tables. They had the little nameplates, Glenn Close, mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I need to. Oh, okay. I got the dancers. I said, uh-uh, we need to do another rehearsal. Come on. <laughs> I, I messed this up. Mm-mm, not in front of Miss Close. No. And it was great. It was great. I got to sit at the table with John Waters after my number. My God. He was so nice. And it was just, it was really great. Yeah. Well, thanks for indulging me with that. I had to bring it up. It's my favorite. (laughs) Number 11, if you could find out the day you're going to die, would you? Oh, yeah. You went real dark. (laughs) Lifestyle on us, Cam. Um, No, because I feel like I would constantly be thinking that my time is running out. Mm-hmm. instead of living right now as if I have no limit on my time. You know, every day I want to enjoy, every day I want to smile. And if tomorrow is my day, then all y'all, including you and all my friends, anyone knows who can say, Shangela lived, honey, and she mm-hmm. enjoyed every moment of it, most every moment of it. She <laughs> how to enjoy. She worked on learning how to enjoy every moment that she could. That's an amazing answer. We've heard a lot of funny takes on that, but like, I'm pretty moved by that. That's a great, that's a great response. Because <laughs> I'm sanitized. Of course. <laughs> um, so that was our 11. We do a bonus 12th question every time that comes from the last person who did the interview. So, okay, last, I love a bonus. Yeah, well, the last person to do the in an 11 questions interview was Paul Reiser. And so he wants to know, when we floss and something ends up in the mirror, what should we call that? <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. I wanted to blend the words projectile and residue. <laughs> Projectidu? Residue. <laughs> it would have to be like, I've seen it happen. So here's yeah. Shwarma. Shwarma. <laughs> it's probably shwarma. I'm going to have to say shwarma do. 
shawarma do because <laughs> I like shawarma. I really do. Uh-huh. Uh, and I will eat those little heroes. I love, I love shawarma. And so if that's the kind of stuff, lamb and all that will get stuff. <laughs> so if I saw it, I'd be like, oh, that's shawarma. But it's also residue. So it's shawarma do. Shawarma do. Shawarma do. And I had, I had shawarma last night. So. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I told you I like, I like Broadway. So the final part then is that you get to come up with the bonus wealth question for whoever does this next. And I don't know who it's going to be yet, but I'm excited to find out. So what would you like to ask them, whoever it is? Okay. Tell them, tell them you have to leave the country and you don't get to return. You have five minutes to pack your bag, but you can only really take three things. Mm -hmm. What three things would you take from your home if you had to leave the country and not come back? That's a tough one. They're going to be stumped, I think. What? I mean, do you know know your three? They're going to be shawarma, dude. (laughs) Um, Let's see. My three? Oh, no. You ain't supposed to put it on me. Oh, yeah. You're right. No, honestly, I know one I would take. One would be my um, my laptop because it has like my pictures. It has all of my photos. Poor thing. I had to get the memory extended because mm. I just I, I don't know how to delete things. And so all of Me my sure. photos are in there. And those are the things that hold like my memories. I can forget a whole bunch of stuff. But if I look at a photo, I'm back in the moment. I know like the funny story. I have it. So I would say it's definitely my photos. But my laptop is number one. The others would be like, I don't really need anything. So yeah. bottle of water, <laughs> drink again, and probably a bag of gummy bears because I love gummy bears. <laughs> That's a good snack, yeah. That was fun. Yeah, I love her so much. A true delight, as always. Um, I did want to say for anyone that was listening closely and and taking count, I did just during the interview completely skip over and forget to ask her during the recording one of the questions. What's the pettiest hill you're willing to die on? Uh, Luckily, I did. uh, Shangela was nice enough to answer that for us afterwards via email. But um, that is why it's not in the recording. But you know what? Now there's a nice little teaser for you to go to the website and read the whole interview there. It's almost like you did that on purpose, Cam, and I love mm-hmm. you for it. Yes, definitely check out avclub.com for the full transcript uh, from Shangela and a little bit more on all those projects that Cam mentioned before the 11 questions interview. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode of Push the Envelope. You can find Shangela's Hallelujah Happy Hour on Spotify. And Cameron, Mara, where can they find you guys on social media? Cam, you first. Oh, I am on social media at Cameron Sheets. That's on all platforms. <laughs> and Mara? I'm on Twitter at, at Mara E M A R A H E. I have to remember how to spell my own name. <laughs> it happens, you know. It, it's it's we're all in the post-election uh, haze, uh, but I'll take it. You can find me at Patrick Gomez L A. And if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to rate and comment and subscribe so you can get all the new offerings of Push the Envelope every Thursday. Uh, but until next week, bye. 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 This episode of the AV Club's Push the Envelope was brought to you by producer Michaela Heck and sound engineer Ryan Allen.